Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, did Amazon get a return on its investment with the Tomorrow War? Resident Evil creates an infinite darkness and Star Wars has a new vision in store for fans. All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the pop culture cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the pop culture cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football and the lakers fast break we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our shows and if you can please give us a five star review on apple Podcasts. plus if you can like share subscribe follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at the pop culture cosmos popculturecosmos.com humanica media and everything else that we do right here at the pop culture cosmos it is sincerely appreciated but it wouldn't be a july 4th weekend pop culture cosmos without my good friend he's our own joshy josh of pop culture cosmos you got to catch him today at popculturecosmos.com his great show the super bs games cast plus his classic top gocalypse and also remember as a great july 4th gift you can go ahead and get his book today. Congratulations, you suck, on Amazon and Barnes Noble. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. Happy birthday to you, my friend. I hope you had an incredible one. And always the best wishes to you this July 4th weekend. Thank you. Yeah, you too. We got some really gloomy weather out here in Texas. We're uh, it's supposed to have a, a nice break in the rain so we can shoot some fireworks off, but... Yeah, been pretty stormy here this week, man. Not all, your ideal barbecuing weekend, if you know what I mean. Between you and Marcus, don't ever rub in the fact that you guys get so much rain. Because we in Vegas, we yeah. would love rain. For like a actually, week straight, we could use it. I was actually going to bottle some and send it out to you. You can't ship liquids, apparently. So No, they always say that right when you go up to the post office. Uh, one of the many things that you cannot ship via the post Dude, office. I just want to ship some rain to Nevada. What's going on here? They'd go, eh-eh, put it in dry ice and send it somewhere else. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, it's going to be a great show we've got here today. We've got a lot of things to discuss with the birthday guy indeed. Of course, we've talked about the weekend box office. Netflix's Resident Evil, Infinite Darkness. Dynasty Warriors, though, has been a little bit of an issue. We'll talk about that movie on Netflix as well. Star Wars Visions is something that they laid out plans for during the weekend. So 
kind of snuck under the radar this holiday weekend. So we'll talk about Star Wars Visions and this new frontier for the Star Wars universe. We'll talk about that coming up in the show as well. Plus, we're going to be talking about the Tomorrow War, like I said, and so much more. Plus the weekend box office and a whole lot more. But I'll tell you what, first off, my friend, thanks again for being here. I know there's a lot of good stuff indeed, but I want to go ahead and comment on something, speaking of Netflix, that our good friend, Mr. Castle PCC on the Twitter and Instagram, Mr. Marcus de la Garza said on his Twitter rantings, and I just wanted to go ahead and check this out because he was amazed at how I watched two of the latest offerings from producers Lord and Miller. And he was amazed that I watched them both back to back. That is the Mitchells versus the Machines and America the Motion Picture. So I want to quote him right now for you, Josh. Okay. I really don't understand how Gerald at Pop Culture Cosmo on Twitter was able to do the Mitchells versus the Machines back to back with America the Motion Picture. That's a wild pairing, and even wilder now that I'm 20 minutes into this movie, America the Motion Picture. So. <laughs> Was it was it bad? I've Netflix dropped all this stuff this week. I haven't had a chance to watch. Was it? I I kind of enjoyed it. It's a guilty pleasure. The Mitchell's versus the Machines has been out for a couple months now. Yeah, on I, I saw that one. That was that was okay. I actually liked it a lot more than you did. I I think right now for me it's the best picture of 2021. I really truly enjoyed it. American Motion Picture is a guilty pleasure. It's a lot of hit and miss, way over the top. A lot of stuff going on. It's not believable in the slightest, okay? Yeah, everybody has not an actual retelling of American history. It's an actual retelling of American history by the people who make Archer. So that tells you right there okay. exactly. I was going to say, it looks, the animation looks like Venture Brothers is what it reminded me of. Yeah, and it's a lot of that mixed in. A lot of references to pop culture, a lot of movies. Lord Miller, I'm sure in this movie, like they did, as well as I mentioned on the Friday show, they get their Star Wars digs in there. They they really actually get a lot of Star Wars digs in there. Well, with, they're uh, pretty bitter, I'm sure, still over that whole thing. And that I mentioned also as well on the Friday show because of their past with the Star Wars universe. But yes, they, they get a little bit of shot in with the Mitchells vs. Machine, but they really go overboard with America the Motion Picture. But again, they're as producers, they are very prolific. I heard the movie is done pretty good. Obviously, the Mitchells vs. Machines has really garnered a lot of acclaim. And Marcus's response back, I guess, in regards to me watching it back-to-back, have you been catching anything this weekend at all, or have you been just too busy? There's all this stuff. Dynasty Warriors. You know, I still need to finish The Last Roroni Kenshin. I want to watch Tomorrow War. So many things that I have to catch up on this week. Yeah, I haven't had a chance. I've been trying to read up on a lot of this stuff without really spoiling it for myself, but... You know, I'm probably not going to get around to watching America's, you know, the one, what was it? America. The motion picture. Motion picture is not yes. something I'm going to like rush out to watch. So what were your thoughts? Was it everything you thought it would be and more? I know you're really excited about it. It's again, to me, it was uh, way over the top. Phil Lord and Christopher Miller produced the movie. And uh, I think, again, it you have to let your imagination run wild, but it it is fun. It is very lighthearted with some underlying tones that they want to go ahead and send out some messages. And and I just think overall, you got to take it with a grain of salt. And again, some of the over the top stuff was a big hit. 
and some of the overtop stuff was a big miss. So again, it, a movie like that just throwing darts. It's throwing darts yeah. that you continuously did to go yeah. ahead and you know make sure some of it hits, some of it misses. But and overall, it was an enjoyable movie. Is it meant to be funny, or is it meant to make a? Oh, it's meant to be state? funny. Is it meant it's to just, make a political statement, or is it just like for your enjoyment? It's mostly meant to amuse you and, and make you laugh. And again, throughout the film, there's there's stuff that they throw out you constantly. Every ninety seconds, they're throwing out a new joke here, a new joke there, a new joke here, a new joke there. It does send a message. For the most part, it's just trying to be an off the wall zany comedy throughout with a whole bunch of unbelievable spectacle. But again, I, I found it enjoyable. I mean, I gave the movie a thumbs up. I'd, I'd give it about a six or a seven. You know, yeah. it's, it's it's nothing that it's going to write home about. It's certainly not in the class of the Mitchells versus the Machines for me. Yeah. But again, it, an enjoyable flick to watch. All right. All right. Yeah. I, I saw some news headlines about it. I haven't like clicked on them. But yeah, then I remembered you were going to watch it. So I figured I, I might as well get it from a source I trust. Well, again, it's just uh, something out there that if you want to go ahead and catch it, it's a nice little little flick. It's a popcorn type flick, but it's something that I found substantially better than another movie we'll be talking about here on the show. But that's coming up here in a few minutes. But yes, it, it's uh, it's an okay movie. The jokes are hit and miss, and again, you got to roll with the punches with it. But it tries very hard to amuse you. I love the voice cast. The voice cast did very well. It's something that they were wholeheartedly into especially Channing Tatum as George Washington nice. screaming throughout the pick. He screams throughout the movie. And I would imagine as soon as he was finished, he collapsed and almost died because <laughs> he gave every effort yeah. to go ahead and be George Washington, or at least a way over the top, super buff. I've got chainsaws on my hands, George Washington, as you could be. Nice. Nice. All right. That sounds like him. Yes. That sounds like yeah. It was definitely a, a very Channing Tatum-inspired performance. But yes, it's something that, again, if you will go out of your way to see, I think you'll think it's okay. I mean, a lot of it's hit and miss, but it's America, the motion picture. Hopefully everybody get a chance to see it, especially patriotic here in America. If you're interested, July 4th, celebrate and watch it. You know, Hopefully you did over the course of the weekend. But if you have any opinions on it, let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. The Mitchells versus the Machines, if you haven't caught it yet, I'd highly recommend that. Again, producers Lord Miller, they're out there. Their life beyond Star Wars has been very prolific into the Spider-Verse. Obviously, that's done a great job for them, and they're going into Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse 2, so that's going to be something that we'll wait and see as well. So their careers have expanded beyond Star Wars. So do you think the, uh, the backlash with Star Wars was good for them initially? From what I'm seeing, the backlash was very good for them. I mean, they yeah. didn't, I mean, they walked away from something that ultimately, despite Ron Howard trying the best he could, was something, as you know, was a commercial flop for the Star Wars franchise. It's the worst Star Wars movie ever, as far as box office numbers are concerned. And even though I think it's an okay movie after the first 10 minutes, again, it's something that's always going to have that stain on the Star Wars universe. And Lord Miller, they they were fired from it, and they walked away. They walked away clean. You know, they they actually walked away yeah. clean to bigger and better things. You know, okay. So before we move on here, isn't that kind of funny? How like anytime Star Wars has director issues, the directors that they have issues with end up having their career kind of skyrockets from things like mm -hmm. that, right? 
like before uh, Colin Trevorov, right? Like he was going to do episode eight and then he ends up not doing that because, you know, I'm sure there are political things behind the scenes or whatever, but like then all of a sudden nobody really knew or cared because he had done a monster calls, but then nobody knew or cared about him. But then all of a sudden everybody knew and cared about him because, because they were talking about him. Yeah. You know, and now I, everyone, everyone knows like, Oh yeah, he's the Jurassic park guy now. Yeah. For the most part, star Wars goes out and tries to get a directory. It's usually someone with a very high profile or someone who's very uh, artsy and very uh, out there in regards to the independent scene. So there is a life beyond Star Wars, especially now these days, because Star Wars doesn't have the panache that it once did, even though there are things on the way, like we'll talk about coming up later in the program, which might return some of that panache of the Star Wars universe back to fans. So we'll see what happens there. But again, you know, to me, I think Lord and Miller have moved on very nicely from it. They've done a great job. So I welcome anyone who wants to go ahead and share comments on America, the motion picture. Again, it's very hit and miss. I could see a lot of people saying, uh, this is not working out for me, but I'm sure I'm going to be hearing it from Marcus on the Friday show as well, before we finally put America, the motion picture to rest. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I'm looking forward to hearing his thoughts even more on both those movies back to back, but I'm also looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about the tomorrow war. And we'll talk about that coming up on the show as well. But before we hit the break, my friend, a real quick note, and we will be going to the box office when we get out of the break. But before we hit the break, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and honor Eve Marie Saint, who I know a lot of people don't remember her or out there. She is a legendary actress who's been on, scores of movies but for me her most thrilling performance is in north by northwest and the reason why i bring it up this july 4th weekend is that she recently turned 97 this weekend but i wanted to go ahead and remind everybody in regards to the greatness of north by northwest one of my all-time favorite films and i think the the torchbearer and the standard bearer and the movie that I guess it's a template for the modern action thriller. And I think there really hadn't been set up anything in regards to the big budget action thriller. And I've talked about this with you before. I really think it, it laid the foundation for every big budget action thriller to come after that. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those movies where you know that there is a cult following for it. Like it is a movie that stands the test of time because it is constantly being reprinted. Yeah. I, I know Psycho... And I know Rear Window are his most well-thought-of films, but that's in the horror genre. And the horror genre is still confined in, in its limited space uh, in regards to that. I think what it comes to North by Northwest, to me, could be his most important picture because big-budget action thrillers are so much a part of Hollywood. I mean, you know, if you were to ask a Hollywood executive, would they make a horror movie or action thriller, guess which one they're making? So to me, I think it is, it's just as important, if not more than those two classic films, you know, which are great films in its own right. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a great film. Hitchcock is a revolutionary director, despite, you know, what people have said about him in different types of memoirs and things like that. But, you, you know, it's funny you bring up budgetary things. I don't know if you've ever surfed like Amazon Prime, like the bottom of the bucket there. There's a lot of horror films that look like they were made for probably like $2 and that's another thing too like hitchcock was someone who didn't ever really have a high budget for his films but he's able to make really great things 
Yes. And if you read the Variety article celebrating Eva Marie Saint's 97th birthday, and you'll get a little bit more insight into the making, just a little bit of insight into in the making of North by Northwest. There's some interesting things about Hitchcock's battles with Mount Rushmore, because there's an iconic scene from Mount Rushmore that takes place in the movie. And the problems that they had to have in regards to him desiring to want to film at Mount Rushmore, a part of that scene, a lot of it was done on the back lots of the actual MGM studio, but he wanted to shoot some exteriors at the actual scene itself. And it's very interesting what the the Department of the Interior would allow and not allow in regards to that, and I guess the fallout from that. I want to go ahead and mention again, wish our best to Eva Marie Saint on her 97th birthday this past weekend, and hopefully she will be able to go ahead and have continued years to come. But yes, celebrating the great North by Northwest and Mount Rushmore on a patriotic weekend, which we hope everyone had a great time indeed. But coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about the weekend box office and more F9. So family, family, family coming up right after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. I know you've been hearing about Manscaped on all those other programs and podcasts. Well, Manscaped and the Hoopheads Podcast Network are working together on something fantastic. And oh my goodness, have we got a deal for you. Manscaped.com has just released their wireless, waterproof, and rechargeable Lawnmower 4.0, which offers their trademark skin-safe replaceable blades that gets you the ultra-close shave exactly where you need it. Head on over to Manscaped.com and choose from the huge list of men's grooming and lifestyle products, including the ultra-popular Lawnmower 4.0 Body Groomer, and get 20% off at Manscaped, plus free shipping with the promo code FASTBREAK at manscaped.com. That's right, just type in FASTBREAK, all one word at checkout, at Manscaped, and get ready to start looking good this summer from your friends at Manscaped, the Hoopheads Podcast Network, and the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. And we're back with the show. It's the Pop Culture Cosmos. want to thank so much Mr. Josh Peterson for hanging out with me on this great July 4th weekend. My friend, the box office happened this past weekend. It was great for F9 as it continues to actually have the kind of success in the U.S. that almost they were hoping with. It's not quite what we were at, of course, at the levels of 2019. It's the box office is coming back slowly. But as we get into the week of what we're going to be seeing by the end with Black Widow, it's nice to see that by the end of the week that Black Widow will have another challenger here in the States in f9 because f9 is going to be i think by that time f9 will or have overtaken a quiet place part two as the number one movie in the u.s this year so i was, I was talking to my wife about this like i think black widow is going to be the movie that takes me back to theaters you know like i i do want to see f9 but like i feel and I, I don't, I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but like, I was telling my brother, like, I feel so far removed from that franchise right now, just because like, I haven't watched it in a long time. You know, like it, it used to be something that like, oh, you, you and your buddies go and, you know, you'll, you'll grab some beers or something and then go, go watch the movie. But like, I don't, I'm kind of an adult now, you know? So like, I don't, I don't go to see movies like that with my friends anymore. And like, it's just, it's not something that I usually will watch by myself. So I, I don't know, like that whole culture, I feel very far removed from. And I had a friend who went to see it and he said, yeah, like, 
you know, we went to go see it and it's created a culture of its own. Like me and he goes, me and my friends were there to kind of just like watch it and be amazed and make fun of it. And then there's a whole culture in the theater that are there and they're like serious fast and the furious and they're car fans. So he says like the, the culture of people that watch these movies are different nowadays. And I, I started to think about that. I'm like, yeah, because like, I don't watch it the same way I watched it before. You know, I don't watch it to be for like the, if I watch a fast and furious movie, it's cause I'm bored. You know, it's not cause I want to see fast and furious actually sit yeah. there and watch it. So, so I, I probably won't be going to the theaters. I'll probably wait to see F9 on, you know, when I can watch from home, but I think black widow is going to be the movie that takes me back. Well, that's awesome here. In fact, I think it's going to be the same for us. I know my Marvel loving daughter just cannot wait to see it. So we're going to be doing the same thing. We're going to be catching it on Thursday. So hopefully I will add the review in on the Friday show, the PC multiverse. We're looking forward to that. So I think it's going to be the movie that brings us back. I'm hoping that it will do just as well, if not better than what F9 did as far as around the world. So we'll see what happens there. But Yes, F9 did take the cake this weekend at the box office, earning another 35 to 40 million. So that's great news for so what's, people. What's our total at now? The total is going to be right around 125, 130 nice. million. So that will put it Very just good. behind A Quiet Place Part Two. But by the time Black Widow comes out, it should overtake it here in the US. I know it's had strong numbers worldwide. Again, these are numbers that are nowhere near what the previous installment did. But again, it's a different climate and people are just starting to head back into the theaters. So people need to take that into perspective. And I think F9 is, you know, I always have a debt of gratitude for that film because it's helped bring some, in fact, I've helped bring a lot of people back into theaters. Maybe not you and I per se, but it's done a lot to bring people back into theaters as an event film. Yeah, that's kind of like what we need, right? Like we, it's quiet place did did a great job, but we need something that's more like known to people, something that, that reaches a bigger audience. And I think F9 was a good one. I think black widow might do okay. I don't know with the uh, simultaneous Disney plus release, but I think once the fall rolls around and we get our first like Marvel film, that's not releasing simultaneously then we're really going to see more people going back to the theaters. Absolutely. And Loki's done very well for the Marvel Universe so far. It's done uh, great numbers from what we're hearing and what's being referred by Disney. So it's done great numbers for them. It's taken a lot of people on a ride, whether or not they truly love or truly are kind of perplexed by what's going on with Loki. Yeah, it's been very lukewarm. I'm noticing the, the reviews have been like middle of the road, not not leaning one side or the other. Episode three was great for me. And in fact, one of the best Marvel episodes I have seen as of yet this year, but episode four kind of brought it back down. Uh, There were some things that kind of were muddled and didn't make clear for the audience. So I think that there's still a long way to go with Loki, but so far it's been okay for me. I've actually enjoyed the Terry Gilliam vibe and the whole English sci-fi vibe that it gives off. I really, truly appreciate it. And kind of makes me want to go back and go on a, a great Terry Gilliam spree on, on time bandits and Brazil and then catch a hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy once again. So definitely might go ahead and do that as far as on a day back to back to back when I have the opportunity to maybe after the Loki series, but still doing very, very well so far. So we're looking forward to going and seeing Loki again. We'll give you a report on that coming up on Friday's show. 
Marcus and I will go ahead and detail episode five. But yes, uh, finishing out the box office in the top three, Universal has the number one, two, and three films this weekend with the Boss Baby, the latest episode of that. So we're going to go ahead and say, you know what? The Boss Baby family business has done a lot of business at the box office, earning around 20 to 25 million this past weekend. So not too shabby. Yeah, not too shabby at all. Plus, it's going to be on Peacock. So for Peacock, it's going to do well. I know that. And obviously, uh, it's going to do big numbers for them as well. So this is all, I think, a lot of gravy for them right now at Universal. Yeah, yeah. Well, good for them. I mean, it's going to be a process, you know, like put it. I don't think it really matters. Like it's kind of a, a try and fail type thing. They need to just put out movies and see like which ones people what gets people to bite and head back to the theaters. Like I know the theaters in town here have been pretty full over the past week. So that's good. You know, boss baby might not be an event film. It might not be like a Marvel franchise, but you know, if it's getting people to go back and it's earning some money, good for them. You know, they're just, they're, they're part of the process, part of the process. Well, it, what it's doing is taking families back to the movies in their own right. So it's doing a good job of that. So yeah, yeah. I'm very happy that people are starting to go back to the movies. And in third place, just to let everybody know out there, is also a new film. Nobody's going to talk me off this mount. The guy in the soundbite sounds like Brad Pitt. Okay, If Brad Pitt were to go back in time, back in the 90s and do Forever Purge, it's the purge, the forever purge. <laughs> that movie did 15 to 20 million in its first weekend at the box office. So for the horror movie and something that is like we talk about has to remain low budget in order to go ahead and earn a nice tidy profit. Looks like it might will earn a nice tidy little profit. But again, big score for Universal getting the number one, two and three spots in the box office. So I look forward to going ahead and hearing some thoughts out there on F9. Can't wait till we go ahead and see it. Probably going to wait until Peacock, though. I'm probably not going to catch it in theaters. But then also as well, we're going to hopefully catch the Boss Baby family business. That's going to be available on Peacock. And then, of course, the Forever Purge. You're the horror guy. You got to tell me, have you been ever into the Purge series at all? No, I, I have not. So I like I like supernatural horror. I have a hard time with like the you know people hacking and slashing each other. But I'm I'm fascinated by the Purge. I don't have to watch it, but I'm fascinated by the community that loves the Purge movies. Because like I have friends who, who like those movies, and it, it's I don't know. It's kind of like what Clerks was for people like us. You know, like it had a, a very like distinct draw to it, and it, and there's like a I don't know. I I don't want to say a relation to it because that would be kind of sick. But like I don't know. There's just a, a a unique fascination with that culture. You know, and the the people that I watch that I know who have watched The Purge, like they all agree that The Purge is like one of the greatest horror movie, like horror franchises out there. You know, and even like the director himself of this last film was saying that he had planned to end it after this. But then just the reaction people have given to like through what, four, five movies, two seasons of a TV show, people want more. And he goes, you know, I had totally planned on ending it, but then based on the reactions and then just me thinking about it like this there is a there's a very unique culture that revolves around these movies and i i guess like if that's going to be something going into the future people are still going to watch it then why not keep making more i mean i've always related to a low budget 
horror film yeah. series. Well, I mean, yeah. The Conjuring, if you want to relate it, is something that's also come out in this past decade. And The Conjuring has been a little bit more high profile and yeah. actually a little bit more budget wise. James Wan, right? He did yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's started off as a low budget flick. And it's gotten more and more and more expensive, but still it's retaining a lot of its audience as it continues to go forward. And even on HBO Max, it's still done decent numbers there. But when it comes to The Conjuring, I always thought of it as, you know, I thought of in the beginning as this, you know, uh, this low budget series that I didn't think anybody was really going to get into. But sure enough, several movies later, I thought (laughs) The Purge after two seasons was going to go... Uh, you know, since mm-hmm. it went out on sci-fi and I thought after the two years was done, I thought the purge itself as a series, as an IP, I thought that was finished. I thought it really had nowhere left to go creatively, thought it really had nowhere to left to go financially, but I'm glad I've been proven wrong because it's still another horror series that people seem to enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and again, as long as people keep watching it, why not keep making more? I guess the the challenge there would be how do we craft a story out of this? Like, how do we craft a story that is going to make people want to keep watching it? You know, Friday the 13th suffered from this by the time Jason went into space was the fact that like, it was literally just Jason hacking up teenagers. Yeah. I guess like for the purge, how do you create a story, you know? And, And then I saw online that like a lot of people are saying that like, Oh, this movie's propaganda and all that. But I mean, I think they're just trying to find clever ways to keep this franchise going. And however you take it is how you're going to take it. Well, let's just hope they don't take over Manhattan like Jason did. That wasn't a good move for them as well. You know, it could be interesting if they go back in time. Like, what would The Purge look like in, like, the 18th century, you know? Oh, my gosh. Talk about a prequel. Here we go, Josh. Your favorite thing, a prequel. I know, but that's fascinating, right? Like a purge in Victorian era London with another Brad Pitt sound alike. Yeah. purge. You can cross paths with like Jack the Ripper, like maybe Jack the Ripper, like takes that day off because he feels like people are stealing his subculture. And we thought America, (laughs) the motion picture with George Washington wielding chainsaws was kind of out there. I can only imagine what a revolutionary purge would be, but yes, Universal did take the top three spots at the box office. So if you have any thoughts or if you've watched F9, The Boss Baby, Family Business, and The Forever Purge, if you've watched any of those movies, we'd love to hear your thoughts on if we should go out and check out these movies or if you invite people to do so as well. Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Coming up after the break, we're going to be talking about a lot of great things, including The Tomorrow War. That's a big $200 million gamble for Amazon. Did it pay off? We'll find out after the break. Plus, we're going to be talking about Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, the concerns we have over Dynasty Warriors movies on Netflix, and so much more. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. Get ready for Kitty Origins Evolutions, the latest documentary from Rob McCallum. Thrusted into heavy metal stardom as teenagers with their debut release, Kitty has thrashed and conquered the heavy metal world for the past 20 years. Kitty has defied industry norms, fought back against women and rock stereotypes, and inspired generations since they appeared. And now, for the first time, they've decided to share their untold story. Generously peppered with archival footage shot by the band, this film gives you an honest and brutal look at what it takes to survive in the music industry. 
Order the DVD, Blu-ray, and live CD triple pack that features recordings from throughout their 20-year illustrious history from RobMcCallumFilms.com. RobMcCallumFilms.com, your place for awesome stories about awesome people and films worth watching. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? You've heard others, but nothing could prepare you for the shameful stupidity that is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Here, Imran. So if you offend everyone at once, it all it's a wash. I've covered everybody. Anthony. Sorry, I was texting. Say that again. And Rug Boy. Yeah, whenever there's a snowstorm, my slack hole tightens up. As they talk over one another. Just exactly uh, the same Connor as, was as, the as Terminator. We're talking over each other. It's fine. Sorry. Swear. I had boobies. And ask you for money. Just give us the money. Witness the hubris as they claim to be the world's authority on comic book movies. Who's that? Never said that. You've never said that. Who cares? A jock said that. Comic book, TV, movie reviews, news, and whatever they choose. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. It can't be silly, goofy fun. Seriously, people really listen to this. Uh, Jock and Nerd! And we're back with the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. And hey, Josh, did you have $200 million to go ahead and invest in purchasing the Tomorrow War? Because that's what Amazon did. Amazon went into a binge in buying some movies and they, they purchased a whole bunch of films, you know, coming to America too, Borat too, and now the Tomorrow War. So what were your thoughts on that when they when you first heard that they've spent two hundred million dollars reportedly on buying the Tomorrow War? You know, I think it's like a late fee at Blockbuster with, with normal people back when Blockbuster was a thing, you know, it's like the the six dollars was like an inconvenience, but it overall didn't break the bank. I think that's how Amazon was when they were buying these films. Like, ah, you know, all of our money's tied up in Lord of the Rings, but we'll buy this Chris Pratt film. It's it'll just be like a mosquito bite on our bank account. That's kind of concerning to me because when you look at it, first off, it's reportedly it was Skydance, J.J. Uh, Abrams' production company, selling off this movie to Amazon. But the thing is, when you first look at it, after the Skydance comes up, the Skydance screen comes up, Paramount comes up on it. So what concerns me is Paramount has this little thing called Paramount Plus, which if you're Paramount, you would think you would normally jump at the chance of a Chris Pratt starring vehicle on your outlet. But you didn't want to fork over the money, even though you've got a producing credit on it. So it's kind of weird kind of weird yeah i wonder if there's some kind of existing contract there because like i you know you think about this like the cloverfield movies right like those are paramount films but paramount sold them off to netflix so maybe this was something that had been like in the works before peacock became a thing or no or not peacock sorry paramount plus or whatever yeah. it is but you know, maybe this is something that took place a while ago i i don't know like i have a hard time i haven't watched the movie yet we spent some time talking about critic culture and I'm, I've been reading a lot, like a lot of the comments online, right? Like I went to IGN saying, and they gave it a, I think they gave it a four. Yes. Uh, uh, it currently has a 45 rating on Metacritic. But then like, what's interesting to me is like, I went in and I started reading the comments and I've seen some of the comments where people are like, Oh, Hey, I, 
I don't trust critics anymore, so I'm going to go watch this movie myself. So if anything, these bad reviews have actually made people, it seems like, want to go watch this movie. So now I'm curious, like, when all the dust settles, whether they liked it or not, how many people have actually viewed this movie? You know, because we talked about, like, do people trust the critics anymore? And reading the backlash around this film is leading me to believe that people don't trust the critics anymore. And I, I agree with you on that. They're not trusting the critics as much. I read those IGN comments too and how they went back and they watched it because it has a user rating right around 8 okay. out of 10. And to me, that's even more concerning. And I'll describe why. is because you can not like the critics all you want and you cannot agree with them all you want. And obviously, we've seen that in past weeks because The Conjuring got raked over the coals the latest Conjuring movie got raked over the coals and it still hit number one of the box office for a week. And then in the Heights, which again, it had a lot of other controversial such things a, aside with it. Such a that, weird, yeah. So yeah. In the Heights, such a, such a weird events happening around that film. Yeah. And it, even though it's been critically hailed as one of the best movies of the year and actually has done extremely well on HBO max, it tanked at the box office and actually uh, was a very, a very great disappointment in that sense. But then we get to the Tomorrow War, which actually was originally supposed to be a theatrical release, just yeah. like Infinite that's on Paramount+. Plus. But it's so funny because, again, Paramount's name, it shows up, Paramount's logo shows up at the beginning of the movie, yet they didn't want anything to do with this movie about putting it on their own platform. So that kind of got me, hmm kind of concerned and then i watched the movie and i laid out this challenge to you to go check it out and i laid out this challenge to marcus de la garza and also jamie monroy to talk it out and i'd love to have a conversation in full for about 30 to 45 minutes maybe even an hour long about the tomorrow war because it is worthy of it because i agree with the critics on this one i'm sorry and you're going to call me a film snob or you're going to call me anything you want to say on it but it is more to what the critics are saying. Uh, I could go on for days about this movie. And okay. I'll wait till you see it. I'll wait till Marcus De La Garza sees it. And I can see why this movie didn't hit the theaters because it would probably be the type of film that I don't think would get the substantial buy-in from people. You talked about all the, pe the substantial buy-in people have about them wanting to go check out this film because it's easy for them because they probably already have an Amazon Prime subscription. But... I would think a lot of people out there would not be so ready to go ahead and check this movie out in the theaters because it's a type of film that would have a decent return in its first week and then totally tank thereafter because the word of mouth on this movie probably wouldn't be so good. I'll be honest, like those sci-fi movies, like I like them, those types of sci-fi movies, like I, I enjoy them, but I don't go out of my way to watch them so i wasn't like excited about this movie in the first place i remember we talked about this one weekend right we talked about the chris pratt movie and the uh, mark Wahlberg movie you know i have been like trying to keep an eye on when it's coming out and i will i do plan to watch it but like i don't have expectations for it you know and especially now i don't have any expectations for it you know hearing your thoughts and hearing the thoughts of the critics like i do want to go in and watch it the same way that the people on ign were talking like i want to go to see it just for like how bad people are saying it it is you know like is it truly that bad and it's the same reason you know and we'll talk about dynasty warriors here in a few minutes but it's the same reason that i want to go watch the dynasty warriors film just because when someone says that something's like truly awful it it does pique your curiosity you know like what's that old saying about 
negative press is still press. Exactly. But for Chris Pratt in his own starring vehicles, this one is got to be a problem for him because this is going to be appearing like a black stain on his resume. But he's still got the Jurassic World series. He's still got the Guardians of the Galaxy. So I think he'll be able to overcome it and still appear in his own starring vehicles going forward. But I think it's going to take a little bit of a hit with the Tomorrow War. I'll just say that. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, again, I'm like curious to see it, to see exactly how bad it is. But like Chris Pratt's like, I don't know, he needs certain types of roles to to succeed. You know, like I don't. Jurassic Park was good for him. Guardians of the Galaxy was good for him because he could be himself. You know, he's much like Ryan Reynolds. Like, you give him a role where he can be who he is, like in real life, and he'll do great things. But it doesn't sound like Tomorrow War is really that the right vehicle for that. No, because he wasn't himself or wasn't the character that people enjoy seeing because yeah. he wasn't the lovable goofball that I think a lot of people have come to appreciate his comedic work. And, he, and none of that, or actually, I'm sorry. 90 seconds of that was on display in the in the tomorrow war the rest of the film was him in a whole totally different light and i don't think it was a good one with you with your writing background and your filmmaking background and your attention to color palettes per se i would love to hear your thoughts on it i would love to go ahead and have a sit down with you and marcus and jamie and and do this for a whole hour on the tomorrow war because it is that epic And it is that we're talking about, because I think some people in our group are actually going to like it and going to give it a pass. I'm I'm just going to tell you right now, for every individual like me on it, there's going to be other individuals that give it a pass. It's going to be a guilty pleasure for them. The thing is, I won't understand why. Is this going to be the King Arthur discussion all over again? Yeah, it might be the King Arthur discussion all over again, because it definitely is a piece of trash. I'll just say that. It's (laughs) a piece of trash. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll check it this week. I'll definitely I'll get back to you. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I'd love to have a sit down with both you guys on it at, or even Jamie, too, if he's available. So I'd love to have a discussion on that so we could go ahead and forward the Tomorrow War. Because, again, I know you and critic culture don't get along. I know a lot of people out there don't like to take in critic culture at this point in time, especially in the environment that we have now. But sometimes the critics are right. And sometimes the critics have a reason to go ahead to say what they say. I am a big Chris Pratt fan, and I'm hoping for continued success for him going forward. And the matter, I don't have anybody greasing my pockets to say one thing or another. But the Tomorrow War, to me, looks like a $200 million mistake. Nice. For both the company, Skydance, Paramount for putting their name on it, and for Amazon as well. But they're the biggest losers. Well, I mean, if you read the story, like you read the synopsis of the film, it does look like a B-grade film that you know it would pop up on netflix or hulu or something it tried hard to be a harken back and i know we talked about the 25th anniversary of independence day the film on our friday show it tried very hard to take you back to that 90s sci-fi big epic action adventure type genre the problem is you know and and we talked about this with f9 where you have to leave your brain at the door in regards to the story in order to enjoy it with F9 and the whole Fast and Furious series, there's always something there to amuse you or amaze you when it comes to the car stunts, when it comes to maybe some one-liners or maybe something lighthearted. Something in there that's always going to fascinate you. With this movie, unfortunately, there's really nothing to fascinate you. 
except for how epically bad it is. Yeah. In my yeah. opinion. And I don't yeah. have a say in this, financial or otherwise. So I'm just telling you, as someone who sat through the film and cannot get two and a half hours of his life back, it's just something that I, I if you want to go ahead and see it, but again, you're we probably like me and probably would have watched it anyways, even hearing how bad it is, just because like me, you roll down the window when you pass by a car wreck. And unfortunately, this is definitely a car wreck of a movie. <laughs> all right. All right. Can I uh, can I change the tone here real quick? As of far course. As it would have been nice if they changed the tone in the movie, but go ahead. I want to do a callback to an earlier episode where we discussed the last blockbuster, right? Yes. Finally got around to watching it. Yes. Okay. I remember you telling me. Yes. The people who made the documentary are not like great, but the film is interesting. So if you want to jump from Tomorrow War into something that has a little bit of nostalgic kick to it, the last blockbuster where it's at. I did not know this, by the way, that you can rent your own movies. Like back in the day, you had to have like a, a licensing deal with the movie studios. But now when you buy a DVD, you're purchasing the copyright for that individual copy. So you can go out and run your own movie store if you want to, because this lady that runs the last blockbuster, she gets all of her new releases from target. Yes. I remember her too. In fact, that's something that a lot of stores did in the day. They would actually go out and buy extra copies of a movie. If they couldn't get enough from the distributors, I remember them doing that and they kind of wanted to put it on the down low because they weren't sure, like you said about the, the processing loss, but they would go out to Walmart and Target to buy extra copies just to fill it up. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I, I never knew that because you always have these people who are like, hey, can I rent out my own movies, you know, and open my own movie store? And the answer is yes, you can. You know, it's like it's it's one of those gray areas, but it is something that people apparently do. Anyways, uh, Last Blockbuster, really interesting documentary. If you get a chance to watch it, check it out. It tells the story of Blockbuster, what happened to Blockbuster, how this last location stayed open. You know, it's funny because it relates almost exactly to the, the GameStop fiasco because, you know, much like with, with Blockbuster, they had these big market investors investing money and basically stealing profits from Blockbuster to fuel these big investments, kind of like what these hedge funds are doing, you know, except Blockbuster didn't have retail investors to save it back then. So now, you know, GME obviously has the power of the retail investors, but like it's such a crazy thing how a lot of these companies suffer. And I, I think Toys R Us had a similar story. These companies are suffering because these high dollar investors are basically putting these companies out of business. The lack of sales definitely contributes, but there's a lot more going on behind the scenes financially. Once a company like goes public, it's crazy. It is crazy, but I do want to go ahead and say it is a fascinating watch. And you said it's not the best documentary that's out there, but still just to understand what happened to blockbuster video also as well i did an interview with alan payne earlier this year the writer of built to fail who actually is in the last blockbuster documentary but alan payne if you go ahead and want to understand more about the decisions that was made behind the scenes at blockbuster i would go ahead and recommend built to fail it's a good read i enjoyed it and it really went into depths on the failure of Blockbuster Video, the, some of the things I didn't see. I know that the purchasing of Netflix is always talked about as the major mistake in their arsenal as far as Blockbuster Video, the opportunity to buy Netflix and they mm -hmm. didn't do it. But there's other 
components of their downfall as far as trying to adapt to a modern market. There's so much more in regards to the reasons why that blockbuster video failed. But yes, Built to Fail is a great book and a great read from Alan Payne. If somebody wants to go ahead and after the last blockbuster, if they watch that on Netflix, goes ahead and checks out his work as well. Yeah. We'll be back in a second to talk about Dynasty Warriors. Also as well, we're going to be talking about Resident Evil Infinite Darkness coming up after the break. This is the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back to close out the shows, the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is myself, Gerald Glassford, along with my good friend, Mr. Josh, the killer shark himself, Peterson, the birthday man this past weekend. So we wish him continued success and continued years on this planet. So we truly appreciate it, but also hoping everyone had a great 4th of July weekend. But before we head out, my friend, I know you wanted to touch on Dynasty Wars, and we will in a sec. But another thing showed up on Netflix, and Netflix has had a lot of hit and misses lately, but they're throwing out stuff. Remember, they're the, they're the also a dart game waiting to happen because they're throwing nothing but darts out there. Some of it sticks, some of it misses. But the thing that we're talking about right now is Resident Evil, and you're a Resident Evil fanatic. A Resident Evil fan, I I'm should say. Fan, I don't know about. I've kind of fallen off that franchise in recent years, but Village, okay. has, Village was amazing. So maybe you know, maybe I can reach fanaticism again one day soon. Okay, okay. So your thoughts on Resident Evil Infinite Darkness, my friend? Like I know what was it? There is. There's been a lot of CGI movies that have come out with Resident yeah, Evil. Yeah, this is a four-part series. Yeah, and they've been tied into the... And that's something Resident Evil's always done well, you know, outside their live-action films, which obviously, you know, weren't tied into the, the video game mythology much. They've always done a good job of connecting their stories through these, like, extra, you know, extra shows and movies and things like that. I am interested in watching it. You know, it's, definitely, it's on my list for things I'm going to watch this coming week, but... This is the right time to make something like that. You know, you look at Castlevania, you look at, you know, there's a Devil May Cry show coming out. Like, it, there's this is the right time to make something like that because there is, you know, there is a fandom for it. And, you know, after playing Resident Evil 8, I, I definitely see this franchise having long legs. And, you know, it's great to have, especially since like 7, you know, we talk about 7 feeling like a reboot of sorts. So, yeah. 7 and 8, you know, this, this, is, this is the right time to do stuff like that because... There could be people out there that don't play the games and they'll they'll turn on the show and be like, oh, hey, I'm interested in diving more into this world, you know, because it's not there. There's a lot more to it than there used to be. That's so funny because we beg and we scream and we plead for a Mass Effect movie or series to come to some type of streaming platform. Yet Resident Evil comes out with its like 19th iteration that's coming out as yeah. like you said, you know, Infinite Darkness and it's a four part animated series. So Hopefully people get a chance to check that out, but continuing that mythos, but also as well, again, we beg for a Mass Effect series or movie and just seems that seemingly no one wants to touch it yet. Maybe they will be. We saw the synopsis that was read we're, by... We're hopeful. Yeah. We're Henry, hopeful. Henry Cavill. Yes. Henry Cavill, please do something with this. Come on. You have some stroke now with the Witcher 
you can go ahead and do it, man. You can do it. Just create something else in the world of, of Mass Effect because there are other video game movies that are out there that are not faring so well. And that is Dynasty Warriors on Netflix, which is getting roasted over the coals. Again, critic culture, you can say or not, but this has turned off a lot of Dynasty Warrior fans to watching it. I mean, because I'm hearing a lot of backlash online because of it. And it just is disappointing because it continues and perpetuates that bad feeling that Hollywood and movie makers have over doing video game related projects. So having not seen this one yet, again, going to watch it this week, but my initial thought here is, and you can add on to this if you want to, of all the movies to adapt, all the video game franchises out there, why Dynasty Wars? There's there's a little tiny bit of story, but most people play that game to grab long spears and swords and just hack and slash at like waves and waves and waves of, of enemies. Like this is, why would you choose this one? This couldn't go right if it wanted to. Like it, remember The Great Wall with Matt Damon? That's exactly how I imagine this movie being. And it sounds like that's kind of what this is. Like there's no substance to it that would make it good for film. And the Dynasty yeah. Warrior series has never been high on substance, on story, or anything exactly. like that. So it's just why, kill, 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 kill. Yeah. I have a feeling that though this was made by like a Chinese company, like it was meant to be it was meant to be it was made for American audiences. And well, apparently, I guess. Yeah, but I feel like that's what they were hoping because they, they like knew that like, ah, uh, I don't think people over here will like this, but we'll make it so people over here can watch it. But those Americans, they're really going to love this. And I think that that's going to end up, I think that backfired on them again, though. Like, it's just disappointing because why, you know, why, why would you do that? Of all the great properties to go ahead and hit, it's Dy- maybe Dynasty Wars is a cheap property to get. So maybe that's why it's oh, all about maybe. the cashola. Yeah. yeah. Well, that is Dynasty Warriors. That is available now on Netflix. It is not being thought of well, you know, as far as critic culture is concerned. But uh, it's not seems to be getting the same kind of support that Tomorrow War is, at least from the word of mouth. Although my word of mouth says that Tomorrow War is just absolutely not the movie you want to see. But <laughs> Again, that's up to you. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the Tomorrow War and also as well Dynasty Warriors. Please share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But before we head on out, my friend, something maybe a little bit more pleasant that you and I wouldn't mind going ahead and check out, and that was introduced over the weekend, and that was Star Wars Visions. Tell me about this. I hadn't had a chance to even read up on this yet, so tell me what's going on with this. Well, they released a first look. And it is a it's something that if you remember the presentation that Disney made to its shareholders, one of the things that they glossed over when they did the Star Wars section of the presentation was the Star Wars visions being a look at Star Wars through a new angle through the lens of anime. And this is something as a fan of anime, you are going to be very interested in. They showed off a first look and it looks amazing. Nine different stories. I think from what they're inferring, all of them will be released at the same time. I'm not so sure that they will stick to that. They may go one week, one week, one week, because that's been their MO. But you know, the way they inferred on Twitter that all nine episodes or nine different stories will be put out later this year. So I'm looking forward to that. But yes, the look that it has is amazing, at least on the first glimpse that we saw. But 
It is nine different stories within the Star Wars universe as told through the eyes of anime. And it really has that look and feel. And I'm really excited for it. This is something I think that could really work out well to bring a lot of new people and new audiences to the anime genre. So is this like Animatrix? You know how they have a bunch of different anime directors come in and make things like that? and they're Yeah, but it's based in that anime culture and not just an anime version of what Mark Hamill would be like or an anime version of what C-3PO would be like. It's Star Wars stories told in an anime way. And I really like that fact that they're sticking to their style and if anybody's familiar with the anime genre, I think they're really going to get a kick out of Star Wars Visions. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, that sounds really cool. Like right now, you know, looking at Star Wars, it needs something that's going to get people to go back to it, especially, you know, with their new properties coming out that they're talking about. Star Wars needs new blood. I mean, and I'm not talking about new blood as in like directors and stuff. I'm talking about like it needs new stories. It needs something that will wash the taste out of people's mouths of things that they might not have liked from this last generation of Star Wars movies. And who knows, maybe born out of this new look on Star Wars, we'll get a new franchise that people can can fall in love with. And it doesn't necessarily have to revolve around what we've already seen. It could be something birthed from, you know, one of these cartoons. It's going to be an interesting anthology to say the least, but September 22nd is going to be the date for release. Again, I'm not so sure it's going to be all nine at the same time, but they seem to infer it on their tweet regarding Star Wars Visions. So I'm looking forward to seeing whether it's one or all nine on September 22nd, taking a look at it. It is Star Wars Visions, a new way of looking at the Star Wars universe. I'm very excited to see that. And if you're excited to go ahead and check out Star Wars Visions 2, please let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, we've come to another end of a fabulous episode. I'm looking forward to checking out with Marcus on the Friday show. More thoughts on the latest Loki episode. We'll be talking Black Widow. I may even have a review of Black Widow by that time. But so much is going to happen this week as well. Another great week for pop culture on the way. Any last thoughts on the way out? No, man. I mean, I think we covered everything. I have a lot to watch, you know, and I'll have some follow-up thoughts on this stuff next week. Well, I'm hoping you will. I mean, the Tomorrow War is definitely going to be something that needs to be talked about. Again, I'd love to set aside an episode sometime or an hour sometime to talk about it with you, with Jamie and with Marcus. I would love to go ahead and just sit down with you guys because there's so many fascinating things to talk about when it comes to the Tomorrow War. I'm sorry to everyone out there that it is, I think, a $200 million gamble that is not going to pay off for Amazon. Also puzzled by the fact that they didn't even try to release it at the box office. That was kind of really kind of weird. But if I'm the guy that's purchasing films, I'm going to be sitting down with Jeff Bezos on Monday in the boardroom. And Jeff is going to go, okay, you did good with Borat too. You did good with Coming to America too. You get two strikes, buddy. This is your one strike right here. You only got one left. You only got one left. $200 million, man. And I think they overpaid by $200 million. (laughs) Again, everybody, I hope you had a fantastic July 4th holiday weekend. Do you have any thoughts on the world of pop culture? 
there's no better place to go than check us out in social media on Facebook, Instagram, and also YouTube. Catch our stuff on Twitch with tremendous tabletop RPG games all week long and so much more right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day of paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great with a shout out to all the scientists who worked tirelessly to bring a COVID-19 vaccine into reality. <laughs> Let's face it, creating something of this magnitude is a miracle worthy of Dr. McCoy himself. And now, Dr. Geek needs you to do your part. Remember, each shot is one small step back to normal, one giant leap to putting the pandemic behind us. We can do this. For more information, visit vaccines.gov to find your nearest provider. Hey, Joe. Hey, Tony. Do you like ads about podcasts? You know it. How about ads about Doctor Who podcasts? Even better. Well, you're in luck, because this is an ad about a Doctor Who podcast. Wow, I love it. And you'll love us, the Watchathon of Rassilon, a podcast about Doctor Who. I'll buy 12. Actually, it's free. I'll buy 13, then. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.